Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Pinstripe Alley Podcast. I'm Andrew Mearns, joined by Kunj. The Yankees have not lost since our last recording. What are good vibes, I guess? Yeah, we're they're back, I guess. I mean, it's uh, not exactly like Cardinals Devil Magic 16-game winning streak, but, you know, that's, uh, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Yankees had their own winning streak of 13 games, and then after that, all hell just broke loose. So it was nice to just have a, like a, a good, fun week. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. The Yankees, they 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 made it close a few games. You know, they they waited till the end of a few of them, but they still came out ahead, and it was just a good fun week. So thank you, Yankees, for making this past week uh, not stressful. And yeah, and like even though I mean there are a whole definitely a whole bunch of tight games in there, and uh, especially that finale against the the Rangers, where they look like they might not finish that sweep, and of course there were some of those games against Boston, especially on Saturday, looks like they might lose that one late, and it'd be frustrating, but. Hey, they pulled it out. I, I almost just made a pull out game strong joke. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, it's, it's 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 worth it, I guess. I don't know. The <laughs> maybe, listener can be the not. judgments of that. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, three and zero versus the Rangers. Three and zero versus the Red Sox in Fenway, which is like even crazier. So that was just fun to see. Yeah, they hadn't um, done that since uh, May of 2015, which is when uh, A-Rod was still trolling around. <laughs> right. And they might not have done that if it wasn't for one Mr. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Who oh, had man. a hell yeah. of a series. Yeah. As we speak, he was uh, named the American League Player of the Week just a couple hours ago. So, yeah, pretty well deserved, I'd say, especially for that weekend because he homered in each of those games. Yeah. I mean, like any one of those games, like com- him coming through would have been a big deal, but to do it three games in a row was just absolutely insane, especially against obviously the Red Sox who are the Yankees biggest rivals, even though the Rays are, you know, just trying to pretend like they are and they're just more annoying, but yeah, no, it's obviously a big deal, especially, you know, against a team that you're fighting for a playoff spot. And now as of us recording today, Monday afternoon, the Yankees hold the top spot in the wild card race. So hopefully they can hold on to it. Yeah, it's definitely still precarious because they're only the one game in front of Boston, two in front of Toronto, 
Seattle and Oakland are still sort of in the mix. Though that's probably long shots for them. But the fact that the the Red Sox have a real cupcake schedule the rest of the the week with uh, the Nats and Orioles does not make me feel great. And then after the Yankees play this series against the Blue Jays, the Yankees have to face the Rays, and then the Blue Jays get to face the Orioles. So you know, Red Sox and Orioles are probably in better shape in terms of opponents. The Yankees are really going to be tested this last week, but at least we know that they are still capable of beating pretty much anybody when they're rolling. And we just have to hope fingers crossed that they do keep rolling. Yeah. And I really hope in some, how, some way, same, some shape, some form that the Yankees kind of have a playoff spot secured before they even go into the Tampa series. Cause I do not trust the Rays to take their foot off the brake, especially if it means take, get, get, keeping the Yankees off of, uh, sorry, to keep their foot uh, off the pedal, <laughs> not off the brake, but they're going to keep pushing to make sure the Yankees don't make the playoffs because they're, they're going to, that's probably going to be their victory banner, banner for 2021. We kept the Yankees out of the playoffs <laughs> if they end up doing that. So yeah, I don't trust the Rays to not be annoying in those final three games, especially if the Yankees go into it needing to win like two or three of them. Obviously, hey, they, they've shown that they can do that. They've beaten the Rays. They've beaten the Red Sox. They've beaten the Blue Jays. They've done that in spurts all season. But I feel like every time we start to feel a little bit good about this team, they kind of decide to like complete, do a complete 180 and just crash and burn. So Yeah, there's still the, uh, the, the risk of danger, <laughs> very apparent with this team. So it's, it's one of the things where you look at it at the end of the day of the, the past week, and you think, holy crap, they really did the job at Fenway. And it's a good thing they did because this this last week is not going to be easy. The Blue Jays are going to play them tough because the Blue Jays are fighting for their playoff lives. And, yeah, the Rays are not going to be like, oh, yeah, let's just waltz right in there, big boys, Cause especially because there's a very good chance that the Rays recognize that if they don't take care of business against the Yankees, then the Yankees could come right back in the division series. They win that wild card and play them themselves. And even though like the Rays are pretty confident about facing the Yankees, I don't think anyone, it was really feels great about facing this lineup right now. No, you, I mean, even when they're not rolling and they're playing like their annoying Yankees 2021 version of baseball, it's still not a team you want to face because they've shown that any given moment, any one of these players can just take advantage and take care, take control of the game. I mean, that's what we talked about at the beginning of the season where like, they don't need just one or two guys to, be there all year like they they have so much talent up and down this lineup that you know just trying to navigate through Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo, Glaber Torres who's like uh, decided he's going to start hitting again, Gary Sanchez always a threat. Like there's so much potential up and down this lineup that like yeah like you really like opposing teams really want to focus on making sure Judge and Stanton don't beat them, but any one of these guys can beat them. Yeah, and I thought Friday's game against Nate Evaldi, where finally for once he decided to look like the Nate Evaldi that you know Yankees fans got used to seeing in pinstripes, and the Yankees beat up on him, and they did a really good job of just wearing him down with a lot of big early runs from the offense. And that was just, even though Stanton obviously had the big home run in there, three-run shot, it was a good top-to-bottom effort to make sure that pretty much everyone in the lineup was, was participating in that. Yeah, and like that one game showed, like, kind of what the Yankees problem like we've talked about the, them being a little bit too passive taking too many pitches and whatever throughout the season that game they went into it they just decided we're going to attack Evaldi today and they did and look what happened if these guys are aggressive they attack they you know they're not just sitting around waiting for the perfect pitch they just go in there and do play their game they can beat anybody it doesn't matter who the pitcher is 
Yeah, and Evaldi's been one of the best pitchers in the American League this season. Like he, at the time of his start, he was leading all American League pitchers in Fangraphs WAR, even like above Cole, Robbie Ray, all those other Cy Young contenders. So yeah, like, he, he's had a good season, and they they took it to him. Yeah, Evaldi probably finishes maybe in like top five of Cy Young voting for American League. I yeah. think like maybe, probably not top three, but I'd say. I feel pretty confident saying he'll probably finish top five. So it's not like the native Aldi that the Yankees fans are used to, who kind of frustrated us at times no. when he was with, <laughs> with the Yankees. This is a different native Aldi who's Absolutely. been, you know, who's been taking control and, you know, heading up that rotation with Chris sale, missing time due to injury injury and whatnot. It was a good plan and uh, against a good pitcher and it worked for them, which yeah. is what, like, which is what all we've been wanting them to do is just like, Put your best foot out there. If you lose games, you lose games. That's fine. But don't look so like you're just not into it. <laughs> yeah, and it was a good week that we saw from uh, Gleyber Torres in particular, too, who has, I think, been hitting better since he went back to just playing second base. And maybe that makes things simpler for him. He doesn't have to worry about the fielding aspect as much. Obviously, there's still important plays to be made at second. And, you know, there have been some... Uh, mix-ups there too still but for the most part he seems a lot more comfortable and locked in at the plate and that's all that the Yankees can really hope for at this point in the season from Glaver just because they need to salvage something from this and as long as he's turning it on late then hey they will take that yeah I mean better late than never is a, is definitely something that we hold true for the for Glaber Torres but yeah I mean I know people kept repeating this whole carrying his defense to the plate phrase with them when he was like when they were having him at shortstop, which I mean, probably was a factor. And like, you know, just, I guess the taking the pressure off, let him just focus in on the plate and let him go back to what he was, what he had been doing. And we always knew, even when he was coming up through the minors or whatever, like the defense wasn't going to be his strength. His bat was supposed to carry right. him and make the defense just acceptable. You live with like the not so great defense. If the offense is there, the problem was the defense was atrocious and the offense wasn't there at all. So that's why, you know, the move needed to be made and it's looking like it's paid off. Like, yeah, he hasn't been like prime Robbie Cano or whoever, another good second baseman uh, in this past week or so, but he doesn't need to be. He just needs to be passable, which he has been. And he's been he needs to be hitting, which he again has been. And yeah, they can worry about uh, offseason decisions later with what's going on here with um, because, you know, I don't think they're planning on making a Jewer shell is our new shortstop of the future. I don't think that's the the real plan. I think that's just like, yeah, yeah, this is just what we're doing right now. Fingers crossed. It'll be fine. Yeah, (laughs) it's definitely not a long term solution. It's definitely it's just better than, hey, we're going to start Tyler Wade or Andrew Velasquez every day, because at the end of the day, even with Glaber's shortcomings, you still trust him to start him over Wade or Velasquez. (laughs) Yeah, no offense to those guys. Oh, maybe a little bit of offense to Tyler Wade because he's a dingus, but no face, no, definitely no offense to Andrew Velasquez. (laughs) Yeah, and DJ LeMahieu has been making some these pretty decent plays at third base too, especially during the Sunday night game. Obviously, there was also the drop pop up, but whatever. I don't know what the hell was going on in that game. How many drop pop ups there were? (laughs) So, like, before we go into DJ for a second, and that was a good segue because one thing I wanted to bring up coming back to Glaber's defense is. DJ made that – I forgot who was at bat and what inning it was, but it was definitely during the Sunday night game where DJ made that, like, phenomenal stop at third to start the double play, threw it to, uh, you know, to Glaber, Glaber to Rizzo. Mm-hmm. And, like, just looking at Glaber, like, when he caught the ball and just transferred it and, like, passed it to Rizzo, it was just so smooth and seamless. Like, he just wasn't thinking about it. It's just body language is so strong and confident. And that's what, like, we've been missing this whole year so far. So that was just Big nice time. to see, like, just how effortless it was from him. Yeah. I have no idea what happened. I think who who the hell was at play? It was I think it was Schwarber was at play, 
yeah, when I, DJ dropped the pop up, and then freaking Gallo dropped the pop. I'm like, wait, you got you're like two of her best defenders right there. Yeah, like, like what? Are, what are we doing? And and it was like your classic drop pop up thing, which is almost something that always happens on these drop pop-ups which is like you don't you see them only trying to catch her with one hand and that's just like annoying baseball stuff that you're like come on guys what are you doing yeah and like at any point throughout the season you would have felt like okay yep the red sox went ahead because of these stupid drop pop-ups and the yankees are just going to concede this game now but nope they just came back and answered with a vengeance yeah and you know honestly the red sox returned the favor with a drop pop-up of their own or Bobby Dahlbeck couldn't corral that one pop-up from Aaron Judge and they got a big break from uh, Joe West messing up a call who Joe West who's retiring and that one beat writer was like oh man one of the best to ever do it and he's out here blowing strike three calls <laughs> like, what? so yeah so many bad missed strike threes in that game or ones that should have been called ball four and then in this decisive play Judge hits a foul tip that Vasquez mostly holds on to and then, like, in the transfer, he drops it, and then it's called just a foul tip and that he doesn't have contact or that he doesn't have possession. So Judge gets second life, and he hits a big double. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a lot of bad things to say about Joe West, but he benefited the Yankees directly yesterday because of that. So Joe West, good umpire. I agree, beat writer. Yeah. <laughs> Noble hero. <laughs> He's the Yankee of the week. Yeah, that was a, a very, very fortunate scenario. And uh, yeah, sometimes you got to get those breaks to win these tight games. And the Yankees got them right there. Yeah, I mean, baseball, there's 162 games in a regular season. You're not going to have everything go right your way. It's just taking advantage of when things just break in your favor. Because like, you know, a lot of th- times things are not going to go in their, their way, which to give the Yankees a little bit of a break. I mean, even when they were struggling, whatever, things were not necessarily going their way. But even when things were, they just weren't taking advantage. Yesterday, they took advantage of, you know, them getting a big break. And look what it resulted in. Aaron Judge's big double. And then John Carlos Stanton hitting a ball that still has not landed. Like, yeah, those, it's it's something when Giancarlo just gets a hold of one. Because both the Grand Slam on Saturday and the Homer on Sunday were just absolutely destroyed and way over the Green Monster. And I do like that I had made that article about, like, you know, the Yankees' five longest Homers at Fenway Park since 2015. And I'm like, oh, maybe Giancarlo Stan can get on here. And now he's second and third on the list. Yes. <laughs> he, he, apparently, Giancarlo is an avid reader of pinstripealley.com. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, listen, Merns, I'm going to challenge you. Maybe yeah, I'll have to do, do like, have... Yankees' longest home runs in Toronto. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just keep doing Yankees. Yankees' longest home runs on October 5th of 2021. Apparently yeah. they have had none. Giancarlo, do you want to break that record? <laughs> yeah, I bet you can't do it, you weakling. <laughs> Giancarlo, yeah. the weakling, smacking Glaber Torres on the head so far that he's like almost concussed, <laughs> maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I have this as part of my uh, injury list update for the week is Glaber had to have his neck examined because Giancarlo smacked him too hard after celebrating his own own home run. It's probably nothing to worry about. It's just really funny. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess there's like a small chance that like that could be something, but ideally it's just like, no, that was just a big man doing big man things. Yes. But I do have one issue to take with uh, StatCast because I don't, I have no longer, I'm a believer in StatCast. I will have you know. Because there's no way that Giancarlo's home runs only went 452 and 448. I'm pretty sure they went like 764 feet Yeah, that's facts. I mean, come on. Stat cast is wrong. I I use the eye test. Yes, I measured it myself. (laughs) I walked. (laughs) 
I, I, I got a map out. I got a ruler. I did it to scale. I somehow it's, figure it out exactly sense. where those home runs landed in the streets. Yes. yes. I'm telling you, StatCast is wrong. Yes. Come on, you, you fools. You don't know anything. I guess we should uh, talk about the uh, weekly. There's, I guess it's not really a COVID, COVID slash IL update anymore because the COVID monster hasn't really uh, come through the Yankees recently. Not that I'm trying to jinx you, sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's, yeah. hey, I still fear you thing. <laughs> yes, I definitely still fear you. I'm yeah. not even kidding. But uh, no, the Yankees should be getting even more reinforcements. I mean, we talked about Luis Severino coming back last week. I think he was activated when we recorded, but he hadn't pitched yet. But since we recorded, Domingo Herman was activated, although he on Wednesday, I think, of last week. But he still hasn't appeared in a game. But the Yankees did activate uh, Jamison Tyon today to start the Tuesday game. So the day this podcast will go up, he'll, he'll return to the rotation. And uh, Jonathan Loisiga should hopefully be back within the next day or two. I think they were also expecting him back at some point in the Toronto series. So that's good. Yeah, the bullpen uh, is very slowly like piecing itself back together. Knock on wood, you know, like it's in a good enough shape where the guy that they demoted to activate Tyon was Albert Abreu, who on the season has been pretty good for the Yankees. Obviously, his last time out, he had a bad iron against Cleveland. But he hasn't really had to be called upon since then because the bullpen has just added so much more depth with the additions of Michael King and Luis Severino in these multi-inning roles. And then you combine that with what Clay Holmes is able to do. Uh, Joely Rodriguez obviously didn't do well on Sunday, but he's been pretty good since they got him from Texas. Wandy Peralta is still there. Chad Green has come back a little bit. Uh, Chapman has also come back some too. So they are finally appearing to piece it together and it looks like they they're going to have a, even a little bit more support too especially if Luisica can go back would be anything like he was before the injury yeah definitely I mean obviously you know Severino is a Severino and King are probably the two biggest factors here because Clay Holmes and uh Joely Rodriguez and Wandy Peralta they've been around for a little while but Michael King got hurt early on in the year and uh Severino has just been absent for the last couple of years but mm-hmm. getting done back and obviously with Severino it's a small sample size of just two in just two games but he's looked really good and now that's like like I, I talked about it, it just being a big enough deal for him to even be able to pitch but for him to look as good as he looked four innings of work he's got six strikeouts or something like that it's all in numbers guy <laughs> yeah hey you know what that's it's good it's good news that's all you need to hear and yeah. you, considering how much the rotation aside from like uh cole pretty much does not really go deep into games you need these multi-inning guys and the fact that they have a few of them at this point that is really going to help them out as they you know piece together these games toward the end of it because we don't know how long Tyone's going to be able to go in his first start off the il Kluber is still not a guy who goes super deep either. Montgomery is a guy who's good, but also not someone who lasts super long. Same with Nestor. So this is a rotation that needs that sort of support, and the bullpen appears to be ready to provide it. And the fact that they've finally been able to get some rest days in there too, just like normal off days after that 20 games and 20 days stretch, I'm sure they've really appreciated that too. And you look at the game logs for how the bullpen has lined up in the past week, and it's much more reasonable rest schedules and They've just looked a lot more fresh, more effective, and everything that you know Aaron Boone would want to see. Yeah, and I think the biggest example of that is Chad Green. I mean, in the past week, he pitched uh, like 5.1 innings, allowed zero runs, when that's coming off of four consecutive outings with at least allowing one run in each of those. So 
it was just nice to see him kind of, you know, maybe he's not fully, fully back to like vintage Chad Green that you feel 100% confident in, but he's definitely trending in the right direction, which is what you need. And even Chapman, you know, yeah, he allowed that home run to uh, Dahlbeck, I think it was, yeah. on Saturday. But, you know, he still has looked overall better as of late than he had been, especially when he was extremely bad. <laughs> yeah, and that was even in a scenario where, obviously, like, no one ever really wants to see a home run. But, you know, the Yankees were up by three. You'd rather see Chapman, you know, just challenge the hitters and not waste some time dawdling around the edges of the strike zone when he doesn't really have to. Maybe occasionally a guy like Dahlbeck will square one up and take him out. But if he's not walking the guy, the other guys and he's still holding that three-run lead, whatever. I mean, fine. <laughs> yeah, and, like, in the beginning of the year, you'd probably be like, what the hell? How do you give up a home run to Bobby Dahlbeck? But, like, since, like, I think July or August, Bobby Dahlbeck's been actually hitting pretty well, so... Yeah, that's one thing I that mean, I had to discover during the course of that series. It's like, oh, I guess Bobby Dahlbeck's, like, good or something. <laughs> yeah. I just had sure in my brain, he's Dobby Ballback, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I've actually made that same joke to myself yesterday, and nobody laughed, even though I just said it to myself. But anyway... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I figured, you know, that's the whole reason that they were getting Kyle Schwarber and to just put somebody at first place base. They didn't even care Kyle Schwarber never played first because they just needed something there because Bobby Dahlbeck had been so bad for them in the first half. But I guess, you know, some competition awoke, woke something up in him, but he's been hitting well, but I don't care enough about the Red Sox to continue talking about him much longer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it. That's the yeah. Bobby Dalbeck update. Yeah, I know we were all, you know, counting on that, but <laughs> yes. yeah, and then I guess we should talk about Tyone a little bit too. I'm, I think he'll be okay in his first start. I, it's at least against a team that he pitched well against last time out. He had been going through a bit of a tough stretch after the very good midseason run, but um, no, as long as they get like five good innings, honestly, even like four and change, I think they'll take it just to Absolutely. see something positive from him. Absolutely. And like, I think a lot of what we saw in his last few outings after his like after his phenomenal July was that he started off strong in a lot of these games, but then just kind of started to wear out or tire out. So now we talked about the bullpen being a place of strength where you have these multi-inning guys, so you don't necessarily need to, yeah, push, you don't need to push him. Yeah. And on top of that, not that, you know, any IL stint is a good thing, but, you know, he his arm probably gets a little bit of break that it probably wouldn't if he didn't get hurt. And so, you know, he's able to rest that a little bit and maybe hopefully that gives him a little bit of uh, more energy than he would have. So I do feel a, a little bit more confident in Tyone coming back. Like not that he's going to, I don't think he's going to pitch like he did in July, but right. it's fine. He doesn't necessarily need to. I mean, if he does, if he wants to, by all means go for it. <laughs> but you know, if you just, like you said, four and change five innings of like, you know, keeping the Yankees in the game, couple runs up, they'll take it. I'll take it. Everyone will take it. <laughs> yeah. Bingo. So don't have to go too deep on that one. And as long as he's, you know, pitching fine, cool. I guess we should talk briefly. (laughs) Judge dislocated his pinky, but popped it back in on that weird slide. (laughs) I don't know what is going on with that, but that was gross to read about. Yeah, uh, in my notes, I wrote that they dislocated it and then relocated it, which is not the right term, but it's amusing to me. So that's my term for it now. Yeah, yeah. that's Uh, good science. Good yes. science. Trust me, I am not a doctor. But I did like his quote afterwards. Like, I don't really need the pinky to hit, so I'll be good. Which, like, I don't know that I trust your diagnosis, Aaron Judge. But hey, like, okay, man, fine, go for it. <laughs> like pinkies, who needs them? I could hit with nine fingers or eight. I, mean, I guess if you don't I'm need just, either pinky. I mean, I'm guessing like he's so massive and that his hands are so massive that it's like he probably has enough to like compensate for losing a pinky each and still be able to have this hand of a normal person. Yeah. You know, 
again, couldn't science. It makes sense in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and I'm only secretly like 25% terrified. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we, we always have to have some semblance of terror like locked in us just, you know, as a protective jacket, you know, just yeah. to acknowledge that it's possible that everything could go to hell. Yeah. Although knowing how Aaron Judge has responded every time we've like mentioned him on the podcast or like somewhat criticized him, I could just see like we'll wake up tomorrow, he'll chop his own pinky off. Like, how do you feel about this shot? And then just go on to hit like 14 home runs in the next three days. Yeah. You know, very normal stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And I guess the, the, but the last uh, injury update was, uh, I guess, DJ LeMay, he was dealing with like a hip slash groin thing. So he had to miss Saturday's game, but he was able to come back Sunday. He actually had a good game on Sunday. So that was good. And I think, you know, just they're going to probably address it in the offseason where they said that he might need surgery, but he's just like, oh, we'll take a look at it then and figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like just classic baseball player answer. Like, we're all gritting through things down the stretch here. It was was also just funny. Like, he obviously missed the game on Saturday and then Rubio Dor emerged from, like, the crypts. Like, oh, I'm here. Remember me? And then just didn't do anything. Yeah, like I fully believe that they heard the podcast where I mentioned last week. Like, does, is he still on this team? Does he still play, or does he just randomly pop out of the dugout every time there's a home run? Because it's the only time that confirms that he still exists within this Yankees traveling party. Yeah, like you'll see him in the roster. like basically the extent that I've seen him this this month is just in like the wire photos of like him jumping out, like being the first guy out of the dugout to be like, yeah, which okay. No. Uh, yeah, 100%. Like, the only reason his existence is confirmed is because he's literally always the first one out of the dub- dugout every time that a Yankee hits a home run. Yeah. And then you go to, and then the replay, or when they play the, the home run, they'll go to the dugout for the reaction shot. You just see Rookie jumping out, and then everyone else are celebrating or whatever. Although, I think on Sunday or Saturday, I forget if it was the Grand Slam on Saturday or Sunday's home run for Giancarlo, Luis Severino actually beat uh, Rookie out of the dugout. So, huh, maybe oh, he man. has a challenger. Yeah, Rugi's falling down on the job. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll take a short ad break and we'll be right back. And we're back. So I think you have a uh, another B-War update for us, our second to last one of the season, because uh, next time we pod, the season will be over. Yeah, it's definitely not as exciting as like the, the halfway through the season B-War updates, where it was just like, what the hell's happening here? But um, there has been some movement on it, which I haven't been able to say the last couple of weeks. Um, so John Carlson has uh, officially displaced Loisiga and is now fourth on the team in BWAR behind Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge, and Jordan Montgomery. So, but it was nice to see him just kind of like hovering around 11, 12 for most of the season. And then ever since like they started letting him play the outfield and he's just been on his John Carlo tear just creeping his way up and to, you know, be at four with uh, 3.1 BWAR is pretty solid. Yeah, he um, is doing some work to get on there. Yeah. And then the, my other update, though, is uh, not as exciting where Corey Kluber showed his face again, which can't really be a good thing because he had one good start and then he kind of went back to meh in his last start. So I'm not really sure what he did to earn his uh, spot at number 12, but hey, he's there. At least participant. Uh, <laughs> Participant award, yes, exactly. I think probably what's happened more than anything else is that Gary's had a rough couple games, so yeah, um, yeah. And I think they're all just hovering around, like just like tiebreaker scenario. Yeah, within like a, po- a couple point ones of each other or whatever. Yeah, but it's nice to see uh, stay-at-home dad Lucas Litke is uh, holding firm to the number eleven spot. I will like, I will be very excited to see him end the season in the top twelve, just because like I did not expect him to stay on this roster. <laughs> 
Yeah, and he's just been there the entire time. Uh, One of the low-key weirdest things about the entire team, and what's funny is that I didn't mean, I think Licky was like one of the only guys that did not mention it in my my bullpen wrap-up thing, but he's, again, just been doing his thing all year long. Exactly. He's just been there and, you know, staying at home, being a dad and, you know, pitching really well for the Yankees. Yeah, he has pitched the third most games of any Yankee. (laughs) Dream Chapman and then Licky. Like, I, we, we both definitely expected him to be a fun storyline for, like, two weeks to maybe a month. And then just to be like, all right, well, that was fun. Yeah. But, nope, he stuck around. So, kudos to him, honestly. He might be my Yankee of the year just for yeah. that. Yeah. Hey, I will welcome any reliever who is walking under two batters per nine innings. Because his he has a 1.9 walk per nine. And I love relievers who do not waste time with that shit. Because it drives yeah, me exactly. crazy. This is why Absolutely. Mariano Rivera was always the best. Because he just did not yep. really bother with that. No, he was just there. He threw one pitch. I was like, all right, this, I'm just going to keep throwing this. <laughs> just do what you can. Yeah, and I'm just going to locate this with razor precision every single time. Maybe there will be some weird blue pits, but whatever. I'm not going to walk anyone. <laughs> In conclusion, yeah. Mariano Rivera was a good pitcher. He was good, yes. Confirmed. <laughs> you heard it here through Kunjin Mern science. <laughs> Boom. All right. So should we move on to the end of our segment? Yeah, let's do it. All right. The Yankee and Mitre of the Week. Who do you have for Yankee of the Week? So my Yankee of the Week is not going to be the obvious candidate. Like I told you, I'm going to leave that for you. But I have I actually have a two-way tie. One you know about, one you don't. So the one is going to be Luis Severino in a repeat performance, just because, again, I said him just even coming back and pitching would have been enough just to, you know, just for his sake, but the him coming out, obviously, again, the small sample size is noted. It's just been two games, but in both those games, he's looked really good. He hasn't allowed a run. He struck out six batters in four innings. It's a lot better than I expected. I expected some like early rust or whatever. And, you know, he hasn't been perfect throughout those innings by any means, but he's looked very good. And I've just been very happy and impressed with what I've seen. Yeah. And you can see just how much, Everyone on the team loves that he's back and participating and doing stuff. And he can just pump up the crowd in a way that I feel like not a lot of other Yankee pitchers can, just because there is such a long history with him and this team and this fan base there. And, you know, we don't, we even now after just two games, we don't know how much we're going to see of Severino making a huge impact in 2021, but just having him back in the mix and involved is great. And he, his stuff looks very crisp. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was just cool to see when, like, you know, he came out to the mound on his in his first game back. Like, just the whole stadium was on their feet. They were cloud, they were applauding, roaring. It was just, it was just cool to see. So, Luis Severino, repeat uh, Yankee of the Week for me, yeah. and um, my other Yankee of the Week. While I've previously given this award to myself in the past twice, you have not given yourself this award, and so I think it's finally time that you get this award. Oh, wonderful. and I'm going to give it to you. Mainly because you decided to tra- challenge Giancarlo Stanton, and he took you up on that. So I think you are personally responsible for his monster home runs, and I'm going to give you all the credit for it. So That's congratulations, true. Andrew Mertens. Thank you very much. Yes, I know it was all is all I could do to you know encourage Giancarlo to hit some large dingers. But yes, <laughs> hey, I can only speak them into existence. He has to you know swing the bat, and oh my, does he swing the bat? <laughs> Yes, exactly. Like no so, one, yeah. I know. I know we we'd say this over and over again, and I should just say Yankee of the week for me is Giancarlo Stan because no shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the way he swings the bat on 
some of these home runs to just like the announcers instantly know like no one else in baseball really because it just is absolutely demolished and granted those are some pretty fat pitches that he destroyed on saturday and sunday like right in the heart right. of the plate but man those were jackknifed over the wall yeah i think my favorite thing about saturday's grand slam was um they asked him after the game like oh what were you thinking when the red sox brought a lefty in uh, to face rizzo and he was his response was just you better get him out yep <laughs> <laughs> You better get Rizzo out because I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, you love to see that. And John Carlos has like been one of my favorite players in baseball, but even before he was a Yankee and like, you know, seeing him in pinstripes was like literally a dream come true for a lot of us um, that, that have been on the staff for a while, like, you know, some former PSA staffers and all that. And just seeing, you know, what he can do, uh, what he's done. And like, he's had such a good season and it's somehow gotten underrated if at all possible. <laughs> which it has. So it was just good to see, and especially him coming up in the big moments and the quote unquote clutch time and, you know, doing what he did to help the Yankees get back into playoff spot to get, take the top spot. Yeah. He's very well deserving of a Yankee of the week. <laughs> good lad. Also good lad to former Yankee, uh, Adam Adovino for laying that one slider in there that just was on a tee. <laughs> yeah. Once, once a Yankee, always a Yankee, I guess. Yeah. Hey, Hey, Speaking of former Yankees, shouts to uh, Michael Pineda for helping the Twins beat the Blue Jays in one of those games over the weekend. Uh, and actually, they beat them twice, which is more than I expected and will help the Yankees during this last week as they try to fend the Blue Jays off. But, you know, honorary Yankee of the Week to our pals, the Minnesota Twins, forever yes. and always. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. before we go into the Mitre of the Week, one last, one real quick thing. Are you as shocked as I am that Michael Pineda still pitching? <laughs> I feel like I expected him to, like, not last as long as he did so just kudos to him i mean he's not he hasn't really lived up to like the potential everyone saw in him and like you know we saw like glimpses of in random games especially that one uh was it the mother's day game I yeah think in sixteen. Yeah. yeah yeah like he hasn't lived up to that but you know he's been like a solid or whatever presence in the twins lineup so kudos to him yeah, I mean, I guess if uh, Nova could forge out like some roles in random spots, I mean, not anymore. I think Nova's done. But uh, yeah. P- Pineda, you know, he's made twenty-one. He's made twenty starts for the Twins, three seven three ERA, one fourteen ERA plus. He's, I mean, it's not spectacular, but hey, that's, that's get, solid. Doing Quite literally stuff. above average. <laughs> yeah, he's hanging in there. So you know, I yeah. guess uh, congrats to Big Mike. I still do not want you on my team ever again. A hundred percent agreed. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's why I was like so scared that they're gonna like trade for him at the deadline. But uh, now we got the artistic stylings of Andrew Heaney instead. Now he's yeah. he's he's buried in that bullpen somewhere too. But they're just like we don't like to speak of him. Hopefully, he's the the corresponding roster move for uh, Jonathan Luisiga uh, when he comes back. But yeah, I don't anyway. like, I don't really know like who else it would be at this point unless you're demoting right. some random guy that I'm not thinking of. But like Andrew Heaney's not really doing anything here, so. Yankees are going to demote or like, cut Lewis Lake, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they're not. They're not going to. <laughs> yeah, it's like, get out of here. Stay at home, Dad. Yes. Go stay at home. Stay at home, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Note to the Yankees. Do not demote Lucas Lickey. <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, shall we move on to the Mitres? Yes. Who is your Mitre of the Week? So the Yankees just swept Boston in Fenway in a game, in a series they absolutely needed to win the series. There's no Mitres of the Week for me. Uh, uh, the Good vibes edition. <laughs> kind of you. Kind of you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I could find somebody, but I didn't care enough to, uh, to go and find somebody. So, uh, Lucas Lickie. I'm oh, sorry, Lucas Lickie. <laughs> wow. Targeting your <laughs> so, man. I'm just thinking about Lucas Lickie all the time. 
So, uh, Yankees, enjoy this week off from my uh, yelling. Congratulations. Yeah, well, I won't be as kind as you. I'm going to the, – the one guy I am going to single out, I'm going to single out Corey Kluber just because he did not pitch well against literally the 2021 Rangers. Like, you can't be giving up eight hits and three runs in under five innings to that team. Yeah. Like, that made – that, that, that caused some doubt as to whether the Yankees could actually finish off that sweep of the Rangers, which would have been, you know, fitting in the theme of like not finishing sweeps for this team, letting these bad teams beat them and potentially ruin some good vibes ahead of the weekend series at Fenway. But fortunately the offense picked them up and uh, made a comeback. So yeah, good, good on you, but uh, Corey Kluber do better, especially since he has to face the blue Jays this week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had two candidates in mind for me trade of the week. One was Kluber. The other one was uh, Tyler Wade. Cause he's a dinkus yeah. um, just because of literally just because of Sunday, you know, him trying to steal. And I didn't even mind him running. I didn't mind him trying to steal. That's fine. Why are you not sliding? That's yeah, that literally was, my only issue. What, that was quite the athletic move. In, I don't know what he did there. It just looked like it just looked like Tyler Wade failed to load. Like it was like running like freaking uh, DSL internet, and it's just like and then just collapse on the floor. And then yeah. him him attempting to steal again later on in the game, and then also getting thrown out. That was just actually funny to me. But the first one was like, bro, what are you doing? So yeah. he would have been my Mitre of the Week. And Kluber was uh, another honoree, if uh, a nominee, if it wasn't for them coming back to win and just giving me all the good vibes for right now. Yes. All right. Cool. So should we wrap up there? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at Pitstrapelli. Follow me on Twitter at Merns PSA. Where can people follow you this week? This week, you can follow me at I'm not a HR hitter. You know, any direct messages that need to come uh, to me, you can find me through there. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, just yell, yell at Greg about Kunj, and then, uh, you yes. know, that's it. I can't believe you said this on the podcast. Send this to Kunj, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Greg's going to DM me on our Slack, like, uh, I just got this message for you. <laughs> what does this guy want? It's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm just here to participate. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, this will be our final podcast of the Yankees actually still being active in the regular season. So hopefully we'll be able to come back to you with some uh, postseason additions. So we've got, a, as we said, a big week ahead against the, against the Blue Jays and Rays. So here's hoping the Yankees take care of business and we'll see you in the postseason. Yep, let's do it. Hopefully. Yep. See you later.